Let's pray. Father, what an awesome thing to be able to say, and some of us can feel that in our hearts right now, that your praise is something that we always want to do and something that we always want to say, that your praise will forever be on our lips. And for those of us, God, in this place today at Encounter Church that are simply searching, may that be something that we are able to one day say. That one day we could know that there is a God who created the world, that created us, that loves us, the one that we could not just know that about, the one that we could actually respond to and say, God, we love you. So that's the declaration that so many of us make this morning, and we pray that we will be able to say those words for all of our days. God, thank you for this hour, and thank you for this service. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. Thanks for being here at Encounter Church today. My name is Jason, and I'm one of the pastors on staff. Are you excited to be here? Anybody? All right, so why don't you just look at someone beside you? You may have to stand up for this. You may not have to, but just look at someone beside you or around you and say, I'm glad you're here. Go ahead and do that. And, and listen, if, if you're at home joining us, why don't you go ahead and do that too? I mean, no matter, maybe if you're driving down the road. No, don't do that. If you're, I don't know why you're watching this if you're driving down the road, right? But just say, I'm glad you're here. And the other person will say, I live here. I know that's awkward, but I just want to connect with them too, okay? So I'm glad that you're here, and I think you're glad that you're here. And why I love church, and I remember I didn't initially, the first few years of my life, grew up in church, but um, my grandfather became a Christian late, late in life, and so my family did not grow up in church. And when my grandfather became a Christian, he looked at them one day and said, hey, we're going to church. And I remember stories of my aunts and uncles saying, that was so strange to us. We're going to church. Why are we going to church? My, and my, my mom and, and my uncles and aunts, they fell in love with church. And just a few years after that, my grandfather passed away, um, and he passed away before I was born. So I never got a chance to meet him. But after that, my parents quit going to church. And I remember one day uh, we were all like playing in the leaves outside one fall day. And I remember my mom looking at us and saying, we're going to church. And I thought that was the strangest thing. And I, and I kind of connected years later when my mom told me this story. But as a kid, I loved going to church. There was just something different about it. And I remember, even though I wasn't a Christian, I didn't even understand what they were singing about. I surely didn't understand what the guy was preaching about, right? It was a small church. They didn't even have programs where they could teach and watch after the kids. And it was doodle time for me, right? But I'm so grateful that I had an experience before I left high school of going to church. So if you have your kids here, I just want to take an opportunity to say thank you. You're investing in their lives. And if you're exploring faith for the first time, this is an awesome place to be, Encounter Church, where we love God and we love people, and we are known, I hope, in this community and other communities by what we do on the outside, not just by what we do here on the inside. And so Encounter Church loves you, Encounter Church loves this community, so I'm glad that you're here. So everyone looked at someone, right, and said that? All right, I hope so. If you just looked at your spouse and said, I'm glad you're here, I'm glad you did that, because that's a good thing, Right? So thanks for being here at Encounter Church. We're in the middle of a series called David, A Heart Like His. And I opened up a few weeks ago and asked this question, though it would be awkward and I don't even recommend this, but if someone were to come up to you and say, hey, I know this may be a little strange, a little, a little bit weird, but do you consider yourself holy? What a strange question. I think even if you were a church-going person and a person of faith or a Christian, that's still an awkward question, isn't it? Well, I mean, if you ask me that as a pastor, I'm, well, okay, 
holy. I'm like, I'm not perfect if that's what you're asking. Most reasonable human beings in question, are there unreasonable human beings? You're often unreasonable, right? The person beside you is often unreasonable, and you don't know the person behind you, but they're often unreasonable. Most reasonable human beings would say, I'm far from perfect. No, I'm not holy. I mean, I, I, I want to live a good life, and I want to make good choices, and you know, well, I go to church, but I know that makes us holy. And when we consider people in the Bible, some of these stories that you may know about, some stories that you may know about, you think about King David, you think about Moses, Abraham, when you think about Ruth and Esther, you think about Mary, Jesus' mother, you think about the Apostle Paul, and you begin to read these stories, you think these are the, the heroes of our faith. And we elevate them, don't we? But as I warned you just a few weeks ago in this series, when you read the Bible, you have to be ready for an R-rated reading. The Bible is not just a holy book because it comes from God, but the Bible is an unholy book because it's written about unholy people. Some of the things that I read in the Bible, I'm like, wait, 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 let me back up. You know, it's like reading comprehension growing up. You read a whole story and you go, what was that about? <laughs> no, I, I really hated reading. Anybody else? I remember reading going, Jason, hurry, we got, we got three more minutes. And I'm like, are you reading it? Yeah. Do you understand? No. Like my brain just wasn't engaged. Well, now, years later, I love to read. Now, I read some of the stories of the Bible. I'm like, wait, did that just happen? The Bible is not just a story about God and his love for people. The Bible is a story about broken humanity. And if anyone's reasonable, they would say, I'm far from, I'm far from perfect. And when you look at Moses, Abraham, King David, you look at Solomon, you look at Mary, you look at, you look at Ruth, you look at Esther, it will not take you very long before you see that these heroes are no different than you. These heroes of the faith are no different than me. No man, no woman, no child is perfect, right? No one, no one, no one's perfect. And sometimes, I remember the story I told you a few weeks ago, even the sometimes pastors get different treatment when they find out you're a pastor, like they have to be holier than they are when they're not around you. I'm like, well, just be yourself. No judgment cast, because I know what kind of man I am. I'm not a perfect man. I'm not a perfect husband. I'm not a perfect father, surely. And, and, and none of us, none of us are holy before a holy God. All of us have struggles. Can I get a uh-huh? That's like a non-holy way of saying amen. Like, I agree with you, brother. You know, that, you know growing up in church, there's always that one person, amen. Like, like amen, that was awkward. Why are you saying that? And I remember, like, I think that's a good thing, but he's awkward. Like, what's he saying? That's just a way, a Bible way of saying, I agree. Like, I'm with you, right? So anytime I say, uh-huh, that's like saying amen, right? Especially when you hear, I ain't perfect, uh-huh. You, like, your spiritual way of saying, amen, that's not me. But David, in spite of him being an adulterer, in spite of him being a bad father at times, and by the way, we don't read those stories about David being a bad father. He's a bad father at times. In spite of him being, at times, a, a king who leveraged his power and his authority for his own good, not his people, for his own good. Does that happen in leadership today? Does that happen with power today? They leverage their... Someone said, uh-huh. <laughs> now, that was someone else's uh-huh, right? You weren't saying, amen, that's me. I leverage my power, you know? Right? I mean, yeah, you're, you agree, right? And so people, that, people do that today. And David did that. He leveraged his power and his authority for himself. But yet there's these two statements in the Bible that say, David... He was a man after my own heart. 
And hundreds of years later, Acts records being said about David that King David was a man after God's own heart. That this was a man who lived a life that God saw and he said, that man loves me. Wouldn't you love for that to be said about you? Some of you that are searching and you're not really sure where you stand with God, you would say, well, that'd be nice to hear, like, God, look at my life. But then you connect with yourself and say, wait, I remember I'm far from holy. I doubt God's looking at me saying, hey, I'm proud of him. I'm proud of her, right? And some of you, even, that are, even though some of you are exploring, others of you already have a faith in Christ. You'd say, I'm a, I'm a Christian and I, I believe in Jesus. I believe the scripture. I believe in, in, in having a relationship with Christ. And I have one. You would say the same thing. It would just be a hope and a prayer for God to actually recognize you and say, he loves me. I think that was one of the greatest compliments you could ever receive from God, the one that David received. He loves me. Right? Not that he loves me not, but he loves me. David was a wretched man who made wretched decisions only for himself, selfish. But yet something in him still loved God. And you know why I love that? Because that, that can be us. That can be me. Even though you make mistakes, even though your life looks very far from God, it can be said of you, she loves me. It can be said of you, he loves me. So this month, we've been looking into four different psalms. Many of the psalms in the Bible are attributed to David. He penned them with his own hand. Some of them that he did not pen with his own hand, meaning he signed it, are still given um, credit to David uh, because of the way that they were written and when they were written. But many of the psalms are written by him. And the final psalm that we're looking at in this series is Psalm 103. So you can follow along on the screen or... You can follow along in your scripture, or you can download on your smartphone and hit Bible, and it'll pull up Psalm 103. But Psalm 103 is a little bit different than the other ones. Um, in the Psalms, we see that David loves God. We see in the Psalms that David's frustrated with God. We see in the Psalms that David is running from God. Some of the Psalms, we see that he's hiding from his enemy, simply asking to be spared, because when you're a king, people want to kill you, because there was so much bloodshed on David. David was responsible, along with his armies, for killing a lot of people. Some Psalms, David's running for his life. Some Psalms, there is no love for God. There's just confusion. In some Psalms, we see that simply David is hoping that he would make it to the next day. And I think we can read the Psalms enough to almost connect with all of those feelings. This Psalm, we actually believe it's very late in his life. And fortunately for King David, he did experience a time of great peace in the kingdom. He did experience a, a great time of personal peace in the kingdom, though much of his life was marred by the mistakes he had made and by the mistakes that his people had made on his behalf. But here, you don't see much frustration. You, you, you don't see much confusion. And here in King David, you, you don't see much restlessness. You see a man that's full of peace, and you see a man that's full of trust. And this psalm is kind of long, and I've told you in the weeks past, I'm going to read the entire psalm. I, I can't just skip over a psalm. Sometimes you read a Bible story, you read a few verses here, and I just can't do it with this psalm. It's 22 verses long, and I want to read it to set the stage uh, for today. So follow along with me in Psalm 103. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits 
who forgives all of your iniquity, who heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from the pit, who crowns you with steadfast love and mercy, and who satisfies you with good so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. The Lord works righteousness and justice for all who are oppressed. He made known his way to Moses, his acts to the people of Israel. The Lord is merciful and he is gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. He will not always chide, nor will he keep his anger forever. He does not deal with us according to our sins, nor does he repay us according to our iniquities. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his steadfast love towards those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far does he remove our transgressions from us. As a father shows compassion to his children, so the Lord shows compassion to those who fear him. For he knows our frame and he remembers that we are dust. As for man, his days are like grass. He flourishes like a flower of the field, for the wind passes over it and it is gone, and its place knows it no more. But the steadfast love of the Lord is from everlasting to everlasting on those who fear him, and his righteousness to children's children, to those who keep his covenant and remember to do his commandments. The Lord has established his throne in the heaven, and his kingdom rules over all. Bless the Lord, O you his angels, you mighty ones who do his word, obeying the voice of his word. Bless the Lord, all his hosts, his ministers who do his will. Bless the Lord, all his works and all places of his dominion. Bless the Lord, O my soul. As I mentioned, in so many Psalms, you see frustration and confusion and, and restlessness and, wa- and wandering, right? And wondering. But here in this psalm, he just makes these declarative statements about who God is and who he had experienced. And even his reference to children makes us really believe that this is really late in his kingship and he had lived his life. And so in the same way that an older man or an older woman says, can I tell you something? Maybe it's a grandmother or grandparent you respect and say, can I tell you something? For your field of business, for me, it could be someone that's pastored for 45 years and they say, son... Remember, if someone says that, you're like, yes, sir, <laughs> right? You say, son, can I tell you something what I've learned? doesn't matter if you agree with them or not. You respectfully listen. This is a man who had experienced pain, who has experienced the consequences of many, many poor choices. This is a man who led the known most powerful nation on the earth at its time. And he makes these statements about God, and we listen to him. Because here it wasn't in the midst of turmoil, it wasn't in the midst of confusion, it was in the midst of a time of peace of his life. And the first thing I want you to see that David experienced God's unconditional love. And you know what he's doing right here in this psalm? He's telling you about it. He had experienced God's unconditional love. And the premise of this this principle is that you can't tell someone about God's unconditional love unless you see your own sin. Had David seen his own struggle and his own sin? Yeah. According to the other Psalms that we studied, 51, 63, and 40, David had a lot of struggle. And he wants you to know, in spite of his struggle, he says, listen, God loves you. It doesn't matter who you are, where you've been, what you've done, or how often you've done it. It doesn't matter how many times you've asked forgiveness for the same stupid mistake. I can hear Josiah saying, Dad, don't say stupid. 
So stupid offends you. Sorry. I say stupid, and I tell my sons not to do it. Anybody else guilty of that? Hey, don't say that. <laughs> I say something stupid. He gets on to me. Sorry, Josiah. Right? It doesn't matter how many times you made the same mistake over and over and over. King David knew it because he made those mistakes. He's saying this, God loves you. He loves you. Do you know why? Because he loves you. As a perfect and yet even imperfect parent, we just love our children. Why? Because we love them. And some, we love our parents. Why? Because we love them. Verse 2. Look at what verse 2 says. Here, actually, I want to start in verse 8. The Lord is merciful and gracious, slow to anger, abounding in steadfast love. What kind of love is that? That's a good love, isn't it? He is full of mercy, not at times, no, all the time. He's full of grace, not at times, no, all the time. And he's slow to anger. Anyone else wish that they were just slow to anger? Anyone else that the, the depth of their patience tank had no bottom? I wish. And he's saying, guys, I messed up all my life. And God's anger was not poured out on me the way it could have been. How good would it be as a son to say, man, I always deserve more than I got. My, my dad, he's full of grace, full of mercy, abounding in love. Look at the, the next verse, verse 9. Verse 9 says, he will not always chide, nor will he keep his anger forever. Does God get riled up about the choices that man makes? Yeah. It's not that he's indifferent. He's just slow to show his anger. Verse 10, he does not deal with us according to our sins, nor repay us according to our iniquities. He doesn't give us what we deserve. That is mercy. He holds back punishment because he loves you. And as a parent, I, I feel that struggle sometimes. I'm like, oh, I'm just going to forgive them. I'm going to look over it. And then you go, no, 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 no. If I, if I let them look over it, they will just keep doing it. Right? Correction is love. Rebuking is love. So it's not that God does not punish. It's not that God turns a blind eye to what we do or don't do. It's that his love extends over our decisions that are poor. His love extends over it. And I can remember sometimes my mom saying, son, and it was grace, right? <laughs> son, I'm going to overlook this. But next time, I was like, okay, I wanted to almost bargain at this point. My mom used to call me the lawyer when I was in seventh grade because I had to come back for everything. And I thought it was pretty good, right? And in fact, one of the most mad I've ever been at my mother, mom, if you're listening, because I know you like to listen to this, I love you. I do. She knows how much I love her. One of the most difficult moments I can ever remember being so mad was I turned the corner and I said something. She goes, here comes the lawyer, right? And I just remember saying, what, what does that mean, right? And I was so mad because I had to come back for everything. And sometimes I want to reason. But sometimes when my mom would choose and my dad would choose to be gracious with me, they would say, but the next time, here's the punishment. And it'd be, it'd be so bad. I'm like, how about go ahead and punish me now, <laughs> Right? But that's sometimes that's love saying, I'm going to overlook this. This is what God does with us. Even though we deserve a, correct, a correction or, or, or a rebuke or redirection, we, we deserve this from God. He overlooks us because he loves us. Look at verse 11. As high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his steadfast love. How high are the heavens above the earth? It's immeasurable, isn't it? Anyone know where heaven is? And in this context, the, word, the Hebrew word for heaven is not referring to the physical place where God lives. This is simply saying the heavens, the heavenlies, right? How far are or do the heavenlies go? I love astronomy. Anyone else love astronomy? 
Every finding they make, they're more baffled at the vast universe, universes, right? Galaxy, galaxies. Every finding they make, they go, wow, this is incredible. And, and I love one of the takeaways. Now we're closer to having a grasp, right, of the vast size. And they're not. I think every decision, every, every, every conclusion that they find, there was one that was just found last week. Another one, if you actually look into these things, some of the articles, every week they're finding new things, right? And last week they found one that could not be seen from Earth, and they, they said this gives us the proportion of size of this particular galaxy is now 30% larger than we thought. I'm like, 30%? You think you can measure it? You're going to find one next time that says, oh, it was only 3%, Right? I mean, it's a vast, vast world. And this is the picture that David says, hey, listen, you can't measure it. You just can't measure how much his love extends. He doesn't have a boiling point like we do. We have a boiling point. Say, I love you, but I'm done with this. No, right? I, I love you, but the boundary has now been crossed. So there now there is no boundary. Here's what's going to happen. No, there is no bound to his grace. There is no bound to his mercy. There is no bound to his love. Look at verse 12. As far as the east is from the west. As if verse 11 didn't capture it. How far is east from the west? It's kind of a silly question, right? Is that a trick question? <laughs> there is no ability for you to measure the distance that the furthest eastern point is from the furthest western point. You and I are guilty of casting judgment, Right? We're guilty of that. We look at something and say, that shouldn't happen. And we want to bring about a quick punishment. And rightly so. When people make mistakes, when sins are committed, laws are broken, there should be a penalty for those things. And does God bring about those? And we see in other parts of the scripture, he does. He is a just God. But his justice does not supersede his love for us. And David says, I messed up. And in some ways, he's saying, you guys have no idea how much I did. But his love cannot be captured in all the heavenlies. And his love on this latitude, longitude spectrum, whichever one you want to look at, cannot be measured. It has no end. The second thing I want you to see in this psalm is that David knew that not all people would experience it. And you're like, okay, I... Some of you could say, I believe that God loves me. But if you go up the street today, 10 people you talk to and say, hey, do you know how much God loves you? You get all types of responses, right? Is it true that some people are very cognizant, they're very aware that there's a God who loves them? Yes, right? And is it true that some people have no thought of God today? There, there are people today that will have no thoughts of God. True? Real simple, no trick question. It's just true. Some people pay attention to him. Some people ignore him. Some people believe and some people don't believe. Guess what? Old King David is saying this. Even though he loves you, there's kind of a condition here. Even though I've experienced his unconditional love, not everyone will. And that's not because God did not make himself aware. It's not his fault. It's our fault. Did you notice in verse 11, I didn't read the end of the verse. Go back to verse 11 and put that on the screen. I didn't read the end of the verse because there's a contingency I want to hit here. As high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his steadfast love towards what? Those who fear him. Say that with me. Those who fear him. Um, skip to uh, verse 13 on the screen. As the father shows compassion to his children, so the Lord shows compassion. 
if I stopped there. You're like, yeah, he does. He's a, he's a compassionate God. But look, read the end with me. To those who fear him. There's another condition. I hate conditions in the scripture, but it is what it is, right? It's there. What about this one, verse 17? Skip to that one. But the steadfast love of the Lord is from everlasting to everlasting. You like that part, don't you? Help me out. Read the rest. On those who fear him. There's one more. Verse 18. To those who keep his covenant, and remember to do his commandments. Are there people that do not know about his covenants? Are there people that pay no attention to it? Of course there are. Verse 19, the Lord has established his throne in the heavens and his kingdom rules over all. But some don't experience it. And here's the reality today of people in this room, people outside this room. Every week I hear stories about people learning the truth and going to share it with their family. Or, hey, listen, I'm, I want my brother to hear this. I and mean, you may be hearing this, and this is just the reality of God's love. His love is amazing. His love has no boundaries. His mercy, his grace has no boundary, has no condition. But here is the condition. Some people don't experience it because they have no reverence for him. You can sit here in this service today or be listening and just actively choose to ignore that there's a God who loves you and actively choose to say, okay, yeah, yeah, whatever. That's fine for you if you believe that, not for me. That person will never truly experience God's love because, folks, it's a choice. This is an unbelievable psalm about a man with great struggle, about a man with great sorrow that experienced an incredible love. And he reminds his people, I can hear him now through the harp playing because he was a harpist, right? Or whether he had a choir he put together, and I love other parts of the scripture that tell about King David putting together little music groups and saying, play the song. And you hear King David saying, play Psalm 103. It wasn't numbered 103 at that time. He probably had a different title for it. But hey, sing it. And they would sing this. And, and, and he was just actively telling the people of Israel, you have a choice. One of the I love about America, though there are many things I love, is the religious liberty that we have. We don't walk out of here. We should not walk out of here and go stand on the street corners and, and, and get on to people for not believing. No, no, no. We just tell people what we know. And this is what King David did. In some ways, some of his psalms are summarized by saying this. You guys know how messed up I am? God loves me anyways. And there's some people who won't have the chance and the privilege to experience that love. And it's not because God didn't let them know. It's because they weren't told. You know, the job of Christians is to tell other people how God loves them. Not to beat them in the face, not to complain about their lifestyles, how they're living or how they're not living or how they should be living. It's just to tell people that God loves them. And that's King David in Psalm 103. He loves me. He loves me. I love to sing every night and sometimes when I'm just not in the mood to sing to my boys because confession of a dad, sometimes I'm just like go to sleep, right? And other times we, we go through the the cycle of, good cycle, I'm saying cycle like it was a bad thing, of we read books, and then I do two things, I pray over each of them individually, and I just sing a song. And I've never gotten tired of singing, Jesus loves me. I just feel like singing it right now. Will you guys sing it with me? 
Those of you that smiled probably would. Those of you that did not, but like, no, you sing it. <laughs> I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to take for granted that you know the song either, right? But it just sings that Jesus loves me. But I change the word and just remind Josiah and Levi every night. Not every night, because I have those moments where I'm like, go to sleep. I'm not singing to you tonight. Jesus loves you. I just want you to know that God loves you and that Jesus loves you. They may choose to pay attention to that. They may choose not to one day. But they need to know there's a God who loves them. Not for who just they could be, but for who they are. The third thing I want you to see is that David's response was to love him back. How did David respond to this love? David responded in a lot of different ways, but we see in this psalm the way that it begins and the way that it ends. You know what David's response was? It's just to love God back. Look at the, the very beginning of the psalm. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that's within me. Bless his holy name. Anybody ever talk to themselves? Anybody? Anybody? Now, this is before the days of, of Bluetooth. This was really strange. And in the days of Bluetooth, you, ever, you remember seeing someone like, they're talking to themselves. Like, yeah, I'll see you at 3.30. Like, who's he talking to? Right? Uh, but I know internally, like, we always talk to ourselves. And this is kind of a moment that I believe before David, like, got the choir together, and before David sung it himself in front of the people of Israel because he was a great musician, he's really declaring to himself, he's talking to himself. You see in the Hebrew, it's literally like he's saying, soul, you will bless the Lord. Literally Hebrew, like, soul, you will bless the Lord. It's just a choice that he's made in his life. And it's a choice many of you have already made. I'm going to worship God with my life. I'm not perfect. And sometimes I really relate to David, you could say, because of his family, because of his struggle. You relate in so many ways, but you're like, you know what? I'm just, I'm going to give God my heart. I'm not perfect. I never will be, but soul, you're going to praise God. And that's what he's saying. You know what we do when we're loved? We love. And sometimes, either it be in a six, seven, eight-year-old body or a 67-year-old body, when you meet someone that's angry, sometimes you just have to wonder, have they ever been truly, really loved? And that's a principle, not a promise. You don't see someone angry and say, well, they've never been loved in their life. That's not, that may not be the case. They just may be bitter about people that have offended them in the past. There's so many reasons. I'm not trying to go psychological and talk about people that are so kind and then people that are, that, that I'm just saying, and from, from a principle standpoint, the more someone is truly authentically loved, the more they can love and the more they're freed up to love. The more that someone lacks love, lacks grace, lacks mercy, the potential for them to and have the inability to love and the inability to show grace increases. Yes, you follow me? And so he's saying, Bless the Lord, O my soul. He's making that choice to say, I am going to worship God. Why? Because he's been loved. Because he's been loved. And finally, David experienced the benefits of his love. My, my favorite part of this is the end of verse 2, this whole psalm. Look, look at the end of verse 2. Forget not all his benefits. Forget not all his benefits. Again, he's talking to himself. You're talking to yourself right now. It's like, okay. I'm going to choose to love God because he loves me. I'm, I don't know what that looks like. I don't have all that figured out. And there's a lot of implications. Of ways. What does it really look like to love God back? Right? I, so many questions you may have. But I love the end of verse 2. He says, forget not all his benefits. Don't forget the goodness of God. And don't forget the benefits of knowing his love. So that begs the question, what are the benefits of his love? 
verses 3, 4, and 5 tell us. Read, I'm going to read these three verses again. Who forgives all your iniquity? Who heals all your diseases? Who redeems your life from the pit? Remember Psalm 40? Last week, he lifts us out of the pit, out of the mud and the mire. Who crowns you with steadfast love and mercy? Who satisfies you with good so that your youth is renewed like the eagles? What does God's love do for you? It's answered right here. What if you had those things in your life? Forgiveness, healing, redemption, crowned with love and mercy and satisfaction. I love the crown because this is a, this is a king who knows the position and the authority and the blessings of wearing the crown. He's the decision maker, right? And he says, you, I love this coming from King David. This says that you can be crowned. And the crown isn't to be the next king. It's to be crowned with his love. Like that the mark of who you are can be his love. And I love the last one, who satisfies you. You know, I love that one because ultimately that's what you and I want, don't we? We want satisfaction. Now, you can define satisfaction in a gazillion different ways. What your heart really longs for, either good or bad, selfish or not selfish, right? The satisfaction that we long for looks different. But you know what David is saying? That God will satisfy your soul. And it's not just what he does for you. It's that he loves you. You know, sometimes all the child wants is to know that they are loved by mom. Sometimes all the child wants is to know that they are loved by dad. You know, King David says here, his love satisfies you. This was made possible years after King's, King David's death by Jesus. Jesus chose to live a life that was perfect and he chose to give himself up on the cross. And by his death on the cross, the Bible says, because he died, because he rose again from the grave, that he offered eternal life to anyone who, anyone who would confess their need of him, confess that they are in need and are a sinner and would simply say, God, I need you. The Bible says anyone who calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved, and that is for any one of us here today or any one of us listening online. Anyone can say, God, I am in need of you. And King David, after years of turmoil, after years of struggle, what he simply declared towards the end of his life is that God Testing. This one now works. Thanks, Daniel. All right. Um, hey, in just about 30 seconds, I'll try the fourth mic. Anybody? <laughs> Why not? Let's just make this a little round, all right? Let's make this a little round. I'll try. In fact, I'm just going to hand me that one. I'll just do this, right? Um, God loves you. He loves you. He loves you. He loves you. Psalm 103 is declaring you can experience this love if you'd simply have the faith to do so. Let me pray. Father, we love you and we thank you for your great love. And we know and we see, God, from this psalm that not all people experience it. And even some of us here to this day can be like me until I was 18 years old. I never connected with the fact that God loved me. And for those that are exploring and experiencing that here to this day, I pray that you would just continue to whisper almost in their ear all week, I love you. 
thank you that we can celebrate this truth and see this truth and that we can have a heart like David by recognizing that you love us. And so, God, we offer this time to you and ask for you to move in Jesus' name. Amen. Before we sing our last song, I mentioned two things to you. Um, the uh, school this week will be affirming their uh, decision for us to continue to extend. As many of you know, we've been exploring a new space on a five-year lease. We're going to bring some announcements seven days from right now. So come back seven days. Um, invite your folks that you know that have been a part of here. But until then, the school has graciously uh, extended our ability to be here. So we'll tell you more details next week on that as they're affirming their decision for that. So I wanted to make sure you knew that. Um, and finally, th this time, this next song is a, just a space for you to have, to worship God, to respond to God. Some of you will want to just listen to the song and have it sung over you. Others of you may simply want to choose during this time to just pray whatever's on your heart and connect with God. This is a time of offering. If you're a guest with us, your gift to us today can simply be filling out the connection card, placing it in the basket as you come around. Um, and if you are a regular attendee here, this is a time where we can give a portion of our income back to God because he's been good to us. So thanks for being here once again. Let's, sing, let's stand together and uh, sing our final song.